Oh, hello there. So glad you could come along. I am the Dream Finder. Life is a prize, live every minute. Open your eyes and watch how you win it. Okay, crackpots, let's get cooking. The magic of Walt Disney World To fly you to the top of your highest dream And now, the show that has the whole town cooking. W Radio, your information station. Hello everybody and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 272 for the week of April 29th, 2012. This past weekend, Disney welcomed in media and moms from around the world as they kicked off their summer season by giving us a closer look into what's new and what's next at Walt Disney World. From their Summer to Remember media event to the third annual Social Media Moms Conference and Celebration, we were able to get a closer look at changes and additions coming to the parks and resorts. We also heard from Disney executives, Imagineers, and celebrities, and got sneak peeks behind the curtain at the new Fantasyland and Disney's Art of Animation Resort. So we'll recap the weekend's events and announcements and share our thoughts on what this summer and beyond we'll have in store for Walt Disney World fans and guests. I'll then have the answer and winner for last week's Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week and pose a new one for your chance to win a Disney prize package. I'll then have a few announcements and share new information about ticket sales to our first annual WDW Radio e-ticket event and evening with the Secret Society of Historical American Adventurers before playing more of your voicemails at the end of the show so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. getting ready for some exciting new changes, additions, and experiences coming to Walt Disney World this summer, and kicked it off this past weekend with a number of events to give us sort of a, a sneak peek of what's to come, from their Summer to Remember media event to their third annual Social Media Moms Conference. And I thought it'd be fun to take a look back at what happened, sort of discuss what we learned and what may be coming in the future. And joining the, the, me this week are two friends, Scarlett Litton from touringplans.com. Hey, Lou. Thanks for having me. And... Uh, Jeff Reisdorf, also from here. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? Good. So you guys, um, Scarlett, you were there for a lot of the Summer to Remember events. I was sort of bouncing back and forth in between, too. And I know, Jeff, you also had a chance to see some of the things that Disney was really showcasing us for us over the weekend. And while a lot of the things um, are probably very familiar, we've known that they've been coming for a long time, we did get some additional information, and we also got a, a really great sneak peek, I think, for the first time for the Art of Animation Resort. I want to talk about sort of our, uh, 
our thoughts about that. But I want to kind of recap the weekend because uh, it was filled with everything from panel discussions to Q&A sessions to a, a kickoff party. Really sort of at Mickey's back... Well, really wasn't Mickey's backyard barbecue. It was the Phineas and Ferb backyard barbecue uh, over at Fort Wilderness. And Agent P and Phineas and Ferb really were sort of the the mascots for the whole weekend. Uh kind of acting as sort of the, the unofficial kickoff for what Disney is hosting for the summer. And that maybe is one of the first things to talk about is sort of the presence and expanded presence of Phineas and Ferb in the parks. We know that the Agent P experience is coming to uh, Epcot, replacing uh, Kim Possible later on this summer. And it seems like, you know, we sort of knew this was coming, but for a lot of people this was news and, and exciting news because the thing about Phineas and Ferb, and you guys tell me if you are viewers and you have kids, Scarlett, to is Phineas and Ferb is that kind of thing that was, I, I talk about like Kingdom Keepers, sort of put out there and geared for young kids, but I see more adults in Agent P shirts and hats than I do see kids. So I'm not the hugest Phineas and Ferb fan, although I do enjoy the show. My kids love it. We all watch it together. And even though it may not be my favorite thing, it's at least more relevant than Kim Possible. And I, I do think it's a great show. I think it's really good for fostering children's creativity and I do enjoy seeing these kind of role models in the parks more. So Jeff what about you seeing that sort of type of interactive experience and branding it more towards the Agent P which obviously like you know we're saying is super super popular and more relevant than Kim Possible was. Well uh, for me it's a big deal. I, I've, I've loved Phineas and Ferb uh, and I, I even like Kim Possible even for a bit. I was I moved down here when Kim Possible started opening so I got to play test that a little bit and it was really exciting but as soon as Phineas and Ferb came out and you saw Agent P and Doofenshmirtz a lot more I was definitely more involved with that storyline and I thought it'd be really cool to bring that into the parks in a sort of way like this. And the fact that they're changing that over to uh, that Phineas and Ferb, Agent P kind of style, I think it's more geared towards the kids nowadays who are watching that show and are more interested in that because Kim Possible is barely into syndication now, so it's not as well known even to the cast members who are playing the game. So I'm excited that they're doing Phineas and Ferb, or, yeah, Agent P, basically. Can you imagine them doing more, or would you almost like to see more of the Phineas and Ferb you know, we obviously have a meet and greet over at the studios, but elsewhere around the parks, a Phineas and Ferb attraction even? I'm not sure if we need a whole attraction. Um, I think the Agent P and the meet and greet is probably enough. But uh, if they brought in more, you know, I just think they have so many great characters they could use. There are a lot of other things that I would rather see more of before we see more Phineas and Ferb. And... You know, this event was not just for those of us in sort of the, the Disney community. It really was everything from mom bloggers to travel bloggers to radio and, and mainstream media as well, too. And the kickoff on Thursday was actually a, a presentation and a panel discussion with the future Mrs. Mangello, as I like to call her, Samantha Brown from the Travel Channel uh, and a number of other panelists as well. And it was really the state of the American Family Vacation, where they talked about, you know, where we are, where things are going, how they've changed, and I like the fact that it turned out to be a Q&A session as well, and I think the, the trend that they were really trying to highlight is that family vacations have changed from when I, when I was a kid, and we drove down in the family truckster, and we didn't have iPods, but now it's where... Here, perfect example, you know, your son is sitting here on your mobile device looking down, playing a game. Kids are very much into technology, and, and it's frustrating to me sometimes seeing in the parks 
the dad who's on his BlackBerry and the kid who's on Facebook and the mom who's on Twitter or, or texting. And the memories that they're trying to create there are so fleeting and they're not making them because they're doing individual type of things. And I think the trend that we're starting to see is that Disney is making the experiences much more group-oriented, like an Agent P, and much more interactive. So it gives mom and dad, the kids, a chance to do something. Whether it's the Agent P game, the Kingdom Keepers, kind of Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom. You guys are huge with Sorcerers, and now there's the trading card aspect to it. There's the collecting aspect. There's the problem-solving that I think the family does together. And I think that is the trend that I think Disney is very much on the forefront on, is making the experience of something for the whole family to do on more of an interactive as opposed to passive type experience. Yeah, uh, they're definitely trying to make it more interactive for the families. Uh, My my favorite thing about it is uh, when we go to see Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom now with Scarlett and her kids, uh, her kids are all about having the cards. Maybe not so much playing the game right now because they don't quite understand it, but they definitely like the cards. They're, you know, Lightning McQueen's on those cards and they love cars right now. So that's one of their favorite things to do as a kid, and I, I think it's fun to see that as an adult, as much as I love playing the game, see that there's a different level of it for the kids to enjoy as well. Uh, I, really en- I really enjoy the way Disney has found a balance. They know that I want to be tweeting, and I want to be taking pictures of my kids, and want to be playing with my mobile device. That's something we all do. And I love the way they're finding ways to incorporate this technology into experiences, like with Agent P. So it's something my kids are very familiar with, like playing with a smartphone. But now we're finding a way as a family to problem solve and work together and have this experience together in the parks. And I think that use of technology that we're starting to see, and now with what, you know, you're very much in tune to sort of what's happening now, but what's coming to, and, and Disney's use of technology we, we've, heard, we've heard rumors about this next generation of, of FastPass system, and I think I reference that because I think it's going to afford families the opportunity. Look, planning and getting there is half the fun. So planning together as a family, even before you, months out, before you leave the house, and looking at your photo pass pictures when you're done, using a, an application. I, I, you know, we, Disney just released their new mobile magic app, and you have to assume that that's going to continue to grow beyond there. Um, they've made technology accessible to everybody and again things that they could all use to sort of enhance their individual and group vacation as well yeah uh definitely a different technology advancements Uh, i love being in the parks now and sort of like getting kind of hungry for lunch or dinner and and as a group figuring something out and then going onto the website and being able to make reservations from my phone it's a lot better than calling their dining line and waiting through all of the different automated systems uh, it's it's definitely a lot easier to look up. Oh, hey, look, there's a re- reservation we've got at the Wave today for lunch, and which I've never been to. Is kind of excited to see that we could download or make the app reservation right there, and get there in then an hour and have that reservation for us and be willing to there. And you can give it to your 12 year old son and be like, here, just go make us a reservation at the Wave because <laughs> you're better at this phone thing than I am. <laughs> and so, in addition to hearing from Walter's World President Meg Crofton, which for I think a lot of people was their first time, especially the travel people and the mom people, it's nice to have sort of that the face of Walt Disney World come out. They did something new this year, which was have a What's New and What's Next Expo in one of the conference ballrooms, gave people a chance to go around the room and visit stations about all the different things that are coming. And again, for a lot of people, it was the first time maybe they're learning about the expansion of Land. But what I liked was they rolled out new concept art, they rolled out the model for Fantasyland, and they also had 
not characters or actors, but they had Imagineers there, so that you could actually talk to them and learn more about what was going on. And we'll talk more about Fantasyland and some of the things like art of animation. But we actually did learn a few new things that are coming. and got a little bit more detail as well, too. We were speaking earlier about the timing of how they did it was great because they gave us a chance to see it first and then they released it on the official Disney Parks blog and the case in point being the new concept art for Test Track. I was really excited about the stuff they uh, showed for Test Track. And with, when I was talking to the Imagineers, they were saying, you know, you get this opportunity to, in the queue, build your car. Then you're going to get to go on the track and test your car. And then afterwards, if everything goes the way they want, you'll even get to buy the car you just designed. And the art looks so cool. It looks very Tron-like, as many people are saying. But, like, it looks completely different. It looks so exciting. And it was really great to hear about it from the people who were working on it. Yeah, and it gives you, it's obviously taken that quote-unquote test track concept out and it puts you more in the world of the computer-aided design. And you're actually going to get, from what I understand, you're going to get a card. You'll be able to sort of design your car. You'll get a card that will accompany you on the attraction and you'll receive a score based on things like uh, capability, efficiency, responsiveness, and power. So you'll use this touchscreen, design the car that way, and while it won't change your on-ride experience, you will get a score and things, and like some of all thrills, you'll be able to sort of have a read-rideability factor to see where you need to sort of make your tweaks along the way. Yeah, I think as a local, it's very exciting because I know I can go on the ride over and over and try out different things and different different types of ride experiences or different types of car design. And I think it's going to be a great learning experience as well as a great attraction. And people, this is one of the things that people really seem to be excited about. You know, as we rode Test Track in its last few days, we saw that, yeah, it was ready for an update. And what the concept art is showing, and, and look, the Imaginers also tease that there's a lot more details and elements that they haven't been released. You know, they do want to save some of the surprises for later. And I like the fact that they gave us, they gave us some meat, but they also left a little bit of surprise as well. Yeah, I always, I'm very anti-spoiler. And even though it's great to learn new stuff, I really appreciate the way the Imagineers are holding some things back and are going to let us really get the full impact of what we're seeing when the attraction opens and we go and see it for the first time. And they did that as well, too. And again, we'll talk uh, a little bit about Fantasyland because they did tell us a little bit more. They gave us some more details about what's to come. We talked more about Belle's Cottage. This sort of mirror is going to be the doorway to a new experience where Belle and Lumiere uh, it, it's not just a regular meet and greet. It's, it's sort of a, a retelling of the story in this enchanted tales with Belle uh, and a, a very much of an immersive experience inside that castle. But beyond talking to us about it, showing us some additional concept art, they released some new videos alongside with the experience. There was also an opportunity for a hard hat tour of Fantasyland. We were able to not walk through or experience the attractions or be our guest restaurant yet, but go behind the walls, literally put on a hard hat and see how the construction was going and hear from the lead Imagineer, Chris Beatty, about what was coming and be able to ask and answer questions too. No, we don't have a timetable as yet, but you see on the opposite side of the wall how massive this expansion is. Things like, believe it or not, the things that jazz me up about it are the water features, the, the five waterfalls, the river, and the fact that the space is going to be very different when you're inside the castle keep and when you cross that threshold and you feel like you're in the fantasy land forest, there are going to be a lot of opportunities to just sort of sit under a tree in the shade and experience the environment. 
Yeah, I didn't get to do the hard hat tour, but what everyone was saying was that they did focus a lot on the landscaping and the water features. And to me, that's what, like, when you see these great animated films, they always show you that, like, at the opening to Beauty and the Beast, where you see the castle on the hill and the forest. Like, that's what I want to walk into when I walk into a Disney park. And I am so excited to see what they do. I'm so excited to be immersed in this entire, like, fairy tale land. And as you start to see it come together, you see how the sight lines are going to change. I mean, the, the, the e-ticket attraction that's coming in 2014, the Seven Dwarfs Mine Coaster, is going to be another mountain. So you need to really walk deep into the fairy tale forest to see Prince Eric's castle. And they talked about the level of detail and the interactive experience in Scuttle Scavenger Hunt and how Storebook Circus is going to play into that. While we weren't able to take photos or video, I was able to take audio of uh, our tour with the Imagineers of Fantasyland. I want to go ahead and play that for you now, give you a little sense of exactly what's coming into Fantasyland, opening up later on this year and eventually in phases in 2014. Hi everyone, my name is Chris. Oh, Ralph, right. do you want to start? Well, I'm just going to say welcome. First of all, we're glad you're all here. Um, this is a, a very special presentation for us. All of us in Imagineering are very excited about uh, our Fantasyland expansion. You're in the, the first part that uh, just recently opened. Uh, today, you're you're very fortunate. We have uh, Chris Beatty, who's really going to lead the tour today. He's our uh, senior creative director on the whole Fantasyland expansion and uh, knows everything there is to know about it. So you're in really good hands with Chris, and so I'm gonna turn it over to him. Thanks, Ralph. So um, as Ralph said, my name is Chris Beatty. I'm the creative director for the project. I've been on it for three years, um, from its, the very inception of the idea of, you know, how would, what would we do if we came back to the Magic Kingdom and added on the Fantasyland? We are doubling the size of Fantasyland. I know we've said that, and you've probably heard that, but it is true. I think when we step behind the wall here in a few minutes, uh, you'll really get a sense of the scale of this project. So not only is it the scale of it that's impressive, I think you'll also see the detail that's going into this, into this project. Um, layer after layer of storytelling. I think, uh, you know, I always like to say, as, you, as the decades went by, you know, we added parks like you know Epcot and the studios and finally Animal Kingdom we got a little more sophisticated in that layer of story in the detail and the storytelling within the hardscape I mean here's a good example of just you know the detail the, sto- the footprints in the circus and the peanuts it's that level of quality and detail that you'll see coming to life here at the Magic Kingdom um, parks like Ep- or, um, uh, Animal Kingdom uh, was a great you know, example of you know, where we really took that next step as far as immersive storytelling. So it's exciting to get that type of uh, detail in this park. Uh, great examples you'll, I'll share with you in a few minutes when we go behind the wall. But you'll find yourself here today. This is Storybook Circus. Um, the overall concept is that once we step through the marquee that's not here yet, there will be a, an entrance marquee to the land arriving sometime. Um, but once we step through that marquee, you enter into Carrollwood Park. And Carrollwood Park, I'm sure you, most of you know the, the history behind the world near Carrollwood. Uh, Carrollwood Park, or Carrollwood Pacific was their train line. It was in Walt's backyard. Um, it was his toy train. So there's a little tip of the hat to Walt and his love of trains here. Uh, you'll see little hidden moments throughout the whole land that have a Carrollwood history to them. 
but we step into Carrollwood Park. It's a little park on the edge of a, a little town, right on the edge of the train line. Um, the story is Casey has come to town right off the Walt Disney World line. He stopped here at the train station in the Roundhouse, and he's unloaded this fabulous circus. Dumbo, of course, is the star of the circus. So you can see Dumbo beautifully gilded in all of its detail. Uh, at the top of the spinner, you'll see the, uh, the storks are, are bringing uh, little Dumbos to, uh, to Mrs. Jumbo. Below is Mrs. Jumbo lovingly looking at um, all her, you know, her son flying around the circus. And then, of course, just the detail and the ornamentation that went into this is fantastic. This was really, truly a lot of fun design. It's not every day we get to design a Dumbo attraction or a ride. Um, as you can, if you really look closely, a lot of hidden details. The, the scroll work are actually elephant trunks that are hiding and holding little peanuts and, and feathers. From a distance, it looks like traditional ornamentation you would find in a circus, but we really tried to take, you know, take it to the next level as far as the layer of storytelling. And then my favorite part prior to this attraction are the bottom eight illustrations that we had, um, uh, we had commissioned. Um, each panel tells a moment from the Dumbo film in its entirety. So they're really beautiful. We get a chance to come back by and take a look. Um, they're very exquisitely done. Um, so this is Dumbo. Like I said, he is the star of the show. We're going to go down in a minute and look at Barnstormer. And the story of the circus, and if you've been to a circus, there's always the star of the show gets all the attention. Well, there's always sort of the B-acts, right? The side shows and the stunt men and the people who kind of glom on to a circus, right? Well, Goofy is that person. Goofy is the great Goofini. He's a stunt man. And when we go down here, you'll see he does all kinds of acts. But the act you get to participate with him in today, or the stunt, is the barnstormer, which is aerial acrobatics. And as you get to board the plane and take off through the skies with Goofy. And then the final piece we're going to look at down at the very end here is the Fantasyland train station. Um, it is a true working train station. It's the new platform for the uh, Walt Disney World Railroad. The train does make a stop here. Um, but if you look at the detailing and the, the storytelling in the paving, we added spur lines that come off the Walt Disney World line. And it looks like Casey can just switch a, uh, flip a switch and he can roll right into the round table, unload the circus. And when he's done, they'll pack it all back up. We'll switch the line. He reconnects and he goes back off to the next little town. And then finally, the restrooms. What do you think restrooms? Not much, you know, not that, not that great about restrooms. Ah, oh, I, I, I have to say there is. These restrooms are really special because they look like the roundhouse and the backdrop for Casey. And even inside the restrooms, we laid tile that looked like tracks. Um, like the, the old guys probably pulled the rail out and patched them up, um, you know, as they worked on the trains through the years. So we've really tried to extend the storytelling, even the places like the restroom stalls. As crazy as that sounds, it's been a lot of fun. So well, let's go down and look at Barnstormer. I'll show you a couple details on Barnstormer and explain a little bit more, okay? Cannon in the queue with its little fuse lit. And it looks like he shot himself across the queue line over into the planter and went through the target. He even straps himself to a rocket in one, in one gag. And the rocket's crashed up there with steam coming out. Um, so, like I said, these are all the stunts that he normally performs, but today, and today only, you get to be part of the Barnstormer. And of course, in pure goofy fashion, he is not the greatest pilot in the world. So he's run through the billboard, he run through the lift tower. Um, a lot of fun for our, you know, our smaller guests. This is a great entry-level coaster um, and family coaster. So we're very, very excited to have the Barnstormer as part of that storytelling. If you look to your left, you'll see the Fancyland Station. If you look at the clock face, you'll see the Carrollwood Park logo. That was actually Walt's logo from his stationery and from his railroad line. We modified it a little bit, but once again, it's a great tip of the hat to Walt and his love of trains. Um, so that's the brand new train station down here at the bottom. And then, of course, the, the, uh, on the left here is the 1930s, 1940s sort of era um, roundhouse, where it looks like the trains would back into. 
And like I mentioned, if you walk around, you'll see that all the train tracks are in and all the brick inlay. Um, this will all make sense when we open this next section of the circus, which is the Casey Jr. area um, later sometime this year. Okay? All right, now for the fun part. Uh, have you seen the stuff that's open? Let's walk up and we'll get to go behind the wall and look at the things that we haven't really shared with people yet. All right, are we ready? Everyone, everyone here? Okay, so um, we are standing, if you look at this overall illustration, we're standing about right here, um, which will be the entrance into what is the centerpiece of the Fantasyland Forest area of the expansion, um, the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. So if you imagine looking sort of right where those gentlemen are at right there, a little farther back near that job box, the brown box back there, that's where you'll find um, the uh, Seven Dwarfs Cottage. And from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And that will be sort of the front door centerpiece, like I said, of the expansion. Before I talk about this, though, I'm going to jump over here and talk about the castle wall. The castle wall, you can see, starting to erect it here on our left. The, very important for storytelling. Why? Well, the castle wall really divides two parts of Fantasyland. The older part, which is really the courtyard. In the courtyard, we want to celebrate that sort of Renaissance fair, banners, bunting, a lot of collar, it's jewel-toned, it's very it's um, very classic, right, Fantasyland. So that area will stay intact, and as you step through the forest, just like in a lot of our classic films, the storytelling of, you know, the princess running off into the woods and finding Prince Charming or the, you know, encountering the villain, that is sort of what will happen here. So as we step through the castle wall, a distinct change in the in the in the character of what this land is. You'll see where the, the tone of the land changes a lot with the paint palettes. For it's rustic, it's it's forested, it's overgrown. Even the castle wall, one side will be detailed a little bit more than the other. That this side of the wall is a little bit you know more overtaken by the forest. The vegetation changes. It's more sticky and pointed, and, and you know it's it's haphazard in how it grows. Um, one of our big goals of the expansion is guest comfort. You'll hear me say that. If more interviews you hear me give, the more you'll hear me say it. Um, it was a big, big goal of ours. A place for a guest just to come in, and if they wanted to come into a forest, say, just sit down underneath a great big old oak tree, we're going to give you the opportunity. Tons of water. You'll see big waterfalls. There are five waterfalls on the face of Mermaid that haven't been turned on yet. It will completely transform the face of that, that facade when we're done. So here in the center, getting back to the plan, you can see this is the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, uh, a brand new, very unique uh, coaster experience. It's a terrain-following coaster, so it, you'll go in here, load in, uh, right here where you see the, matter of fact, you can see the brown steel is track steel, the gray steel is facility steel, so that gives you an idea of the height of this mountain that's coming. It sits right here. You'll go, load, go into the queue, which is themed like the uh, dwarves' little loading area where they prep for their tools in the morning. Board the coaster. It will drop out, run around the far side over by Storybook Circus, climb up this mountain on the outside, and then drop out and run around again. Then it will go into a show box where it turns into a traditional Disney dark ride. Goes in through show scenes with all the dwarves. You'll see them there mining with all the jewels and the, um, the magic. It will climb up the inside lift, which is the brown steel you see here, and then run out around Fantasyland for a second time. The unique thing about this coaster is it also swings. Um, so each individual car swings as it turns a corner. That will be one of our signature attractions. The other one here is behind it. Of course, this is the facade of Journey to the uh, Under the Sea, Journey of the Little Mermaid. You can see Prince Eric's castle right there. As we were walking up, someone said, wow, when the mountain comes up, you'll never be able to see the castle. I said, that's exactly what we want. 
We want that moment when you come through the castle wall, a sense of discovery as you walk through the land. What I don't like about some theme park design is as you walk through a land, everything is shown to you. There is no sense, there's no, I turn a corner and it's revealed to me. There's no sense of suspense or, or discovery to it. So we're working hard on, as I walk up that main path, you can see the bridge forming here. I turn that corner and Prince Eric's castle is revealed. As I walk through the castle wall, the mine coaster, the, you know, the mountain is revealed. As I turn that corner by Prince Eric's and I look down, Dumbo is revealed. So there's some great sight lines I think you'll start to see as we start to take walls down and open this, this area up. Of course, this attraction will let us enter into the grottos. We'll go behind these great waterfalls. Three giant falls on the left, two falls on the right. We'll go behind the falls into the grotto through some incredibly detailed queue, um, queue experiences. I, I have to say the queues for this ex these experiences, um, I would go on a limb and say it rivals Indiana Jones at Disneyland. The level of quality, storytelling, and light fixtures, and rock work, and the Imagineers have done an amazing job of really trying to, you know, to make the entire experience well-rounded and um, very experiential. But you'll find yourself then boarding the, um, uh, our little clamshell vehicles that will take us on this undersea journey to visit Ariel, Ursula, Flounder, Sebastian. Um, it is a um, co-developed attraction once you're on the ride with DCA, with Disney's California Adventure. Um, but the whole storytelling and the placemaking is completely different. To the left is, and you can see Gaston's Tavern and Bonjour Village Gifts here on the left. Uh, Bonjour Tavern, no, it does not serve alcohol as much as a lot of us would like, um, but uh, it is going to be a great place for you to go inside, completely decked out in antlers. Everything is made of antlers. Things you never dreamed of uh, will be in there made of antlers. Um, great portrait of Gaston on the wall, being very conceited and arrogant, his fireplace. Um, but it is a great place to go and get out of that hot Florida sun, have a great cold, refreshing beverage. And then uh, the little um, bookshop or Bonjour Village gifts off to the right. Um, very, it's sort of um, a little tip of the hat back to the bookshop from the beginning of the film. Uh, and that'll be a little merchandise location. To the left, um, and it's probably one of the most spectacular spaces within the expansion, is the Be Our Guest restaurant. You can see the Beast Castle up here uh, on top of the rocks. The rock work here even tells a story. This rock work that you'll see starting to form for the mine coaster is very soft. It's older rock. It's like the Appalachian Mountains, right? It's been around a long time. It takes on the personality of the dwarves, rounded, soft, fun, right? When you get to the Beast Castle, that rock work is sharp. It's jagged. It's not Bell's Castle. It's the Beast Castle. It almost wants you to think twice about crossing that bridge and going into it, right? It's foreboding. If you touch it, it almost cut you. So that's, there's storytelling within the rock work. We go to that length of detail and, and storytelling. Inside, three rooms that you can dine in. The ballroom, and it looks just like out of the film. I think you guys will be blown away when you finally get to go inside. Um, John Lasser was just through a few weeks ago, and it was, um, it was great to see his, his expression when he walked in the room. So um, it's been great to see our senior leaders come through and get to see, witness, you know, what, that magic moment of stepping through that threshold and, and the awe. Um, it looks just like out of the film with the chandeliers and the ceiling. Um, two other rooms, you can dine in the West Wing, which is the uh, where the rose effect was. It was sort of the forbidden room that you were not allowed to go into the Beast Quarters. And there's an art gallery space um, that's also located there that you can dine in. And then finally here on the left, this is Maurice's Cottage here. Uh, you can see it's starting to take shape. or starting to put the final finishes on the outside of that facade. That is the uh, entrance to what we're calling our storybook adventure, um, Enchanted Tales with Belle. Um, we really wanted to take 
meeting a character or meeting one of our princesses to the next level. No longer just waiting in a long line for the autograph and, and picture, which is, which is great. How would we let you, make you feel like you've been in that experience for half an hour, 15, 20 minutes? You know, how do we extend that and, and make it more personalized? So in this experience, you get to go into the cottage. Uh, you'll find yourself um, you know, face to face with Lumiere and Belle. Um, all these characters um, come to life as you get to have a very immersive moment with them. So that's Enchanted Tales with Belle here on the Coaster. left. Yes. Scary, not scary, toddlers, you know what? Magic Kingdom is always a family park, right? Fantasyland really is, is, is got to be family oriented. So um, we always said this coaster is between sort of a barnstormer and a big thunder. So the same height requirement as a barnstormer has two lift hills and two runouts. It won't be scary. Um, so if you you think if your if your child can go on barnstormer, he Fun can go scary. on the mine coaster. Fun scary. Fun and thrill. So. Chris, to keep continuity of story, think about sight lines. How are you going to reconcile? Where we see right now, we can see Storybook Circus in the distance. Is that going to change once the rest of the forest opens? Yeah, we have a lot of trees. I mentioned guest comfort. This, as you can see by the illustration, this site will be just polluted with trees, and which in a good way, right? Old awesome. trees with a lot of character, a lot of quality and, and storytelling to them. Uh, if you walked in this, well, when we were just down the street, if you looked at Dumbo, that section we just opened right there, look how many trees are in that area. And different kinds of trees and quality of trees. So... That will play a big role in defining how we hide sight lines, how we reveal things to you. Um, yeah. All right, guys. Thank all of you for coming. All right. Enjoy your couple days. I'm glad we can share with you. And so while the expo also highlighted new experiences that we've talked about in the past at Aulani and the Disney Cruise Line and even around the resort, obviously Star Wars Weekend is sort of the next big thing that's coming. We learned a lot about uh, some of the merchandise that's coming, Darth Small, the shopping experience as well. Uh, just a hint at some of the cool new stuff that's coming out. Bring your credit cards uh, when you come to Star Wars Weekends. And stay tuned. I have an awesome exclusive interview coming up right just in time for Star Wars Weekend. Scarlett's going to be like, you didn't tell me about it, and nor, nor will I. Um, but the other thing we learned a little bit more about, since this is all about the summer, what's coming in the summer, is the are the changes that are coming to the magic memories in you. We knew that a, a new show was going to be coming. It's going to be beginning on May 25th. And we saw some of the concept art and uh, for that, where Cinderella Castle is going to be transformed into a sandcastle. And like we were saying before, we're seeing even... Agent P and Phineas and Ferb coming into the Magic Kingdom as well here. Yeah, I was really excited to hear that Phineas and Ferb are going to be uh, hosting the new Magic Memories and You show for the summer. I know my kids are going to be excited about that. I was really also into the concept art we saw showing The Little Mermaid is going to be part of the new show, and The Lion King will also be featured. And it looks like we're going to see some really classic moments from those movies as a part of the new show as well. And for me, and, and, and I know, Jeff, you got a chance to see this as well, too. The thing that I was really excited about that I didn't know was coming was that we were not only going to get a chance to go and visit Art of Animation. We had dinner there. We were able to also tour the family suites as well, too. And we had heard a lot about what was coming, but to actually sort of step into uh, that new environment, it, you know, it's, it, it was that original other half of Pop Century, but does not feel like Pop Century. When you walk into that animation hall... Even just how they lay out, before you get to your room, how they have that, sort of telling the story of animation beginning there. And even the, the check-in desks are different where they have sort of individual little pods. Yeah, 
I, uh, I've been really excited about the Art of Animation Resort, but nothing could have prepared me for actually stepping in and seeing it for myself. And I think the pod check-in desk system is so interesting. When we first heard about that, I pictured it kind of like how they have the guest relations at Hollywood Studios, where you have these desks and you're almost not sure where to go or where you're supposed to stand. And I was very apprehensive. But to see the way they set it up is, first of all, aesthetically just gorgeous. But it all really seems to make sense. I knew where I was supposed to go. I understand how it works. And I really see how it's going to be easier for the cast member to make me feel like they're welcoming me and it's a more personal experience. And theming-wise and decor-wise, adults and I mean, we were there primarily with adults, but you saw the, sort of their faces when they walked in because it tells the story of how animated films, whether through Disney or from Pixar, are created. And you see that progression from original early concept sketches of Little Mermaid and Lightning Queen as they move through. And on the wall, there's some of that very early concept art and rough sketches on there, even in the, the chandelier, has some of those early concept art. And we saw the one that John Lasseter came in last week and got up on a ladder and signed. So it tells a story of this progression. And then when you walk outside, um, you know, you sort of, it's almost, it gave me the sense of Animator's Palette on The Magic and Wonder, how it kind of goes from the black and white to color, and it goes from uh, the simple sketch drawings to sort of final renderings that are used. Um, Next door is the ink and paint area where that's going to be sort of the merchandise locations. We also saw a lot of specific art of animation themed merchandise as well, too. And I dig this. Like, I love to have, you know, we're sitting in the Wilderness Lodge now, a Wilderness Lodge shirt or a sweat jacket. And there's a lot of really cool themed art of animation stuff coming as well. Yeah, I am a collector. I collect t shirts, is one of the things I collect. And they, I'm so excited to get my Little Mermaid art of animation t shirts. I was really impressed that they rolled all of that out. They had some really great-looking stuff. And uh, the art, I know when we walked in and first saw the art, I, w- I was with my children, and my 3-year-old immediately, he was looking everywhere, and it was, oh, Tomater! Oh, it's the Lion King! Like, oh, it's Nemo! Like, he was so excited to be in there and see his favorite characters all over the walls and even above his head on the chandelier, and then to walk outside to the pool area and be surrounded. It was like he was in Finding Nemo, and he could not have been happier. Yeah, I mean, there was sort of that breathtaking moment when you step out because when you walk through the animation hall, you are stepping into the world of Finding Nemo. You are in that big blue pool area. And again, Disney says it's the largest single non-water park pool on property, about 12,000 square feet or so. And that's sort of the medium shot. So using the the filmmaker uh, description, it's, it's that medium shot where you are part of it. And we talked with some of the Imagineers about sort of that transition from going from 2D to 3D, sort of now making those single-dimensional characters now put into a 3D environment, because over at um, Mr. Ray's water play area, there's huge, larger-life icons, and and we saw a lot of kids just anxious to get in and start running through there already. Yeah, I know my kids were definitely trying to get into the water play area, but even then, we were staying on property this weekend, and my son came to me, and he was like, Mommy, can we spend the night here tonight? Because you do, you feel so immersed in that world, and you just don't want to leave. It's incredible. And the pool's going to it's going to have a very unique feature in that uh, there's going to be music and sounds of Dory and Nemo and some of the other characters are going to be played underwater as well, so... 
uh, it's going to be neat to see how they do that to really make you feel as though you're you're inside again that big blue. But after Finding Nemo, it's going to open in phases. I believe Cars, then Lion King, and then Little Mermaid. And we were talking before offline before recorded. I said, oh, I'm really looking forward to Cars. It, it screams. It's sort of our version of Cars Land. It, that cozy cone motel fits in perfectly. Jeff was like, oh, I'm looking forward to Finding Nemo. You were looking forward to Little Mermaid. But we had a chance to walk over to the car section. You get a completely separate feel as from where you are. The, the color palette's different. You feel like you're in like a, a, a hot desert radiator springs. And then, again, you've got all the cars around you as well, too. Uh, I love the uh, immersion of cars. Like the, the life-size cars there, you had uh, Doc off to the side and, and the sheriff right in the front. And I thought it was really cool to have those there. Um, I even liked, uh, as we're passing by the Lion King area, and you could see parts of Pride Rock and, like, Simba standing up at the top. So I'm, like, excited for that play area more so than anything else. But uh, just being in, in all of that, like, and even seeing just those three areas alone made me so excited for this Art of Animation Resort. And I'm, I can't wait for that. I can't wait to check out Landscapes Cafe. It's just everything about it just seems amazing. So I mean, there's a lot to see and a lot to do, you know, all-Star and Pop Century has these larger-than-life icons, but here I felt like there's a lot more uh, of a story that's being told, and if you're a fan of animation or sort of the, the hits, being, being able to follow that progression as you walk outside and walk through, you'll see it in the, uh, in the food court area as well, which was open but not serving food. They have, again, little pods and sections that make you feel as though you can tell when you're in the Lion King section. You can tell when you're in the Finding Nemo section as well too but I think one of the things that's going to make this resort do very very well is not just the theming again the location right next to to Pop Century are the rooms and one of the things that they tested over at All Star and it's done very very well are the family suites Um, all the rooms in Finding Nemo are going to be family suites as well as I believe all the ones in Cars and Lion King I believe Little Mermaid is the only section that's going to have regular rooms as well Um, we had a chance to go into the room and again well-themed, well-designed, even more so than the other resorts. Again, we saw the concept art for Cozy. You feel like it just makes sense, like you're in the Cozy Cone Motel. But from a a guest who's traveling their standpoint, you now, if you have six people, you no longer need to have two rooms because when you walk into that room, that table that's in that first section folds down, a bed comes out, there's a second living area with a bed and a separate, you know, master bedroom as well too. So you fit people in there very, very comfortably. Yeah, when so we were staying at a resort this weekend, and I really liked that room. When we went and checked out uh, the Finding Nemo family suite, I'd never been in one before, and it was it was massive. Like comparatively, uh, they they showed the table switching down to a bed, and I thought that was awesome. Uh, the bed that pulls out of the sofa next to the TV, I thought was also a, a really good touch, and just the amount of space there was, the two bathrooms, and that both bathrooms were slightly differently themed too. Everything was just a little bit different and a little bit more better for a larger family size. Yeah, and there's going to be you know, both um, dining options. There's going to be counter service locations inside. There's going to be places to eat outside as well. It's going to be open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We've seen in the past they've already released some of the menus for there. We've been talking about some of the great counter service options uh, around property, and this is going to have some unique items in there as well. What was your thought, Scarlett, as you sort of started to walk through and saw some of the rooms as well? Which, by the way, a point to make, 
different than any of the other Valley Resorts. It's the only resort where the hallways are enclosed, which I think is a really nice uh, addition. It's also probably going to help cut down on some of the ambient noise and, and stuff like that as well, too. Yeah, I definitely like that. And as far as the rooms, as a mother of two young children who still nap, I really like having the separate bedroom and the separate living area so that like if we're in the room and we're relaxing in the middle of the day, if my children want to sleep but I have to work, I can, you know, put them in the bedroom, close the door. I don't have to worry about trying to keep quiet or if one of my children is awake and playing and one is asleep taking a nap, you know, that whole system just works out well. And then even at night, you know, the kids can have their own area to sleep while mom and dad have a separate area to sleep. And I just think that is ideal for any family on vacation, even if you are less than six people. And the the important thing to note, too, is it's a value resort. So the regular rooms in Little Mermaid are going to still start at that $94 a night. The suites are going to start uh, at about $248 a night. But remember, too, this is not just two rooms. It includes a kitchenette as well, too. So now when you get up in the morning, you'll be able to have breakfast there or come back. And if the kids want to take a nap, you'll have some extra time in there. And I think it's going to be good for those guests who are traveling, who, those families who are coming, who are very value conscious as well, too. So it's, it's sort of in between a, a value resort and moderate resort dollar wise. But I think you're going to make it up by having that kitchenette in there. I agree. I think Disney has really paid attention to what guests are wanting from their hotel rooms. And I've spoken to many families who stay even off-site because they do want a cheaper room where they can have a kitchenette and have more space. And Disney has given that to them here. And I think it's just, I think it's outstanding the way they've really paid attention to what we want. I took a lot of photos, a lot of videos. I'm going to put it in this week's show notes so you can go click Go over to WDWRadio.com, click on this week's show. You can find that there. The uh, Finding Nemo section is going to open May 31st. Cars is going to open this summer, June 18th, right around the time of Cars Land. Lion King, August 10th. And The Little Mermaid, the final phase, is going to open on September 15th. So um, just kind of wrapping up, what about this weekend either struck a chord with you or impressed you or surprised you or is the thing that you're looking forward to most? One thing that impressed me the most was kind of like I said with the resort, I was really impressed with the way Disney is listening to what their guests want and is doing their best to give it to them, but still always doing it Disney style. Jeff, what about you? Anything that impressed you or surprised you or really got you excited about what, what is coming next? Uh, I've always been excited for a uh, new resort in, in the areas, and the, the remaining buildings of Pop Century was a big deal to me when they hadn't done anything with them yet. When they announced it, I was excited. When they had pictures, I was excited. But actually being there, seeing it, and, and feeling the way it's going to feel and just the end of this month, I'm really excited to see what that place looks like and uh, what steps they make to make that even better for guests and the guest experience. Yeah, for me, as excited as I was for the opportunity to see and sort of peek behind the curtain as what's coming to Fantasyland, we knew a lot about it already. To see it in first hand was, was dramatic to see the size of it. Art of Animation, I was much more excited for it after I've seen it. Um, but I think, too, we talked about the test track concept art. That was a great surprise because I didn't expect something so early on. And what I always say is the thing that I'm most excited about is the stuff that we don't know as yet. So we don't know what the inside of those rooms are going to look like over at Cars Land or the Lion King, other than the concept art. We don't know 
what other enhancements may be coming to uh, the, the, the test track experience. And while we have an idea of what the interiors of some of these locations inside Fantasyland is going to be, until we actually step foot in the Be Our Guest restaurant or partake in whatever the scuttle scavenger hunt is going to be, we really don't know. And, and, I, and I sort of trust and look forward to what the next couple of months, I say this all the time, I think it's an exciting time to be a Disney fan, so I'm looking forward to what's coming in the next couple of months. And then we'll have to go and eat at Art of Animation and do a review of the food court there. I, I'm definitely excited for eating, and I think you hit the nail on the head. There's a lot of stuff coming up, and I think Disney's right. I really think this is going to be a summer to remember. Oh, look at you. Throwing a tagline. <laughs> awesome. Scarlett and Jeff, thank you guys for uh, for hanging out this weekend and for joining me today, and uh, I'm sure we will run into each other again in the parks. Absolutely. Thanks. Yep. Thanks for having us, Lou. For the WDW Radio Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I'll ask you a question about Walt Disney World history or trivia, play a sound clip, or ask you to identify a random line from a Walt Disney World attraction or show for a chance to win a Disney prize package. But before we get to this week's question, let's look at last week's question and announce the winner. So last week, in honor of the Orange Bird's return, and again, I want to point you to wdwradio.com slash orangebird, for our video from the D23's event opening of the uh, Sunshine Tree Terrace and the reintroduction of the Orange Bird, I wanted to see how well you knew our little orange friend. So I said that the Orange Bird cannot speak, but asked you, how does he communicate? And again, you guys know and love and probably remember the Orange Bird that he doesn't speak, but he thinks sunny thoughts and little puffs of smoke. And that's how he communicates what he's thinking, not by speech, but by his little puffs of sunny thoughtfulness and all of you pretty much got that one correctly congratulations thank you for all playing and the winner of the prize package that includes all six of my audio tours on cd main street adventureland fantasyland mickey's toontown fair liberty square and frontierland as well as a limited edition or almost out of the five-year anniversary pins and an orange bird sipper cup from the sunshine tree terrace is christine marino so christine Thank you. Congratulations. Please email me your address and I'll get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week, didn't win, that's okay because you have another chance right now. And so as long as we're talking about resorts this week with Art of Animation, let's not look ahead, but look back for our trivia question. So tell me, what was the original name of Disney's Port Orleans Riverside Resort? It had a name when it originally opened was not Port Orleans Riverside. Very easy question. Just give me the original name. Send your answers to contest at wdwradio.com by 11.59 p.m. on Sunday, May 6th. And I will once again draw a random winner who had, who had the answer correct who's going to win a prize package again of all the audio tours on CDs, the limited edition five-year anniversary pin, 
And I know a couple of weeks ago we gave away a signed copy of Ridley Pearson's Kingdom Keepers 5. A lot of you played, really were excited about that prize. I have one more that I'll give away this week. So you get the CDs, the pin, and the signed copy of Kingdom Keepers 5 by Ridley Pearson. Again, send your answers to contest at www.radio.com by Sunday, May 6th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. I promised you at the intro more information about our first annual WDW Radio e-ticket event, an event we're going to hold every year on or around October 1st, celebrating Walt Disney World's anniversary. And this year, we're kicking it off with a single event, which is our evening with the Secret Society of Historical American Adventurers. And if you liked the Adventurers Club, you're going to love this event it's going to be held Friday, September 28th, 2012, just in time for the weekend. We're all going to be celebrating, along with Disney, Epcot's 30th anniversary. It's the Tower of Terror 10-miler weekend, so there's a lot going on. Great way to kick it off with this event. Again, it's going to be a fun dinner and show and music and a lot more interactive type of thing. Over at the American Adventure Rotunda, and just like the Adventures Club, whether you experienced it and miss it or if you never had a chance to see it, here, there's going to be characters sort of celebrating the memory of great American adventurers who've come before them. They're going to hold their club meeting just for us and with us that night in the American Adventure Rotunda. They're going to have sort of their little bits and pieces of American history. They're also going to elect a new president to preside over the coming year, have a hoopla finale and lots more fun. And I promise you some surprises as well. Tickets are, for this event are going to be very limited and are going to go on sale Wednesday. May 2nd, this coming Wednesday, beginning at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find out more information by visiting the events page over at wdwradio.com. You'll see the events tab up at the top. There you can read more about the event. And again, on Wednesday at 1 o'clock, you'll be able to start purchasing the very limited number of tickets. If you booked your trip for that weekend, you booked your room as part of the Mouse Fan Travel Group, you will be able to get a very limited number of tickets in advance starting at 12.30. Again, more information we found on the events page over at wdwradio.com. Like our Adventurers Club event a couple of years ago, I expect ticket sales to go very, very quickly. So if you are interested, I highly recommend trying to get them on Wednesday if possible. There's lots more about this event that I can't share with you um, because I want it to be a surprise when you experience it. I'm really, really excited, looking forward to this. And again, looking forward to that entire weekend, kicking off with the event, the Tower of Terror race, Epcot's 30th anniversary, and lots more. Again, come by the site, wdwradio.com click on the events tab you'll also find there information about upcoming meets of the, the month other special events are WW Radio Cruise on the Disney Dream in November we still have cabins and staterooms available for that as well you can find out more information there www.radiocruise.com while you're on the site be sure and browse around check out our daily blog posts we have lots of great contributions from guest bloggers our fun family friendly free discussion forums videos and lots more check out our new contest we have our our home went disney contest on the blog let's see where you may be incorporating disney into your home share your photos and have a chance to win a prize package you know i love also hearing from you so call the voicemail 
407-900-9391, 407-900-WDW1 to be heard on the air. Or if you have a question, you can email me at lou at www.radio.com. Don't forget also our live video broadcast and chat every Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, over at www.radio.live.com or go to the homepage of WW Radio. You can click on the live tab right there. We'll talk about this week's Walt Disney World news in a live interactive session where you can ask and answer questions, be part of the conversation, and then chat more about Disney and anything else that may come up for some time uh, that follows. If you can't make it live, that's okay. I'll put the video on the blog on our YouTube channel and put the audio in the iTunes feed as well. And by the way, if you haven't subscribed, head on over to iTunes, subscribe to the show for free. You can also find a link right on the homepage of the website. Big thanks as always to my partners and sponsors, including Mouse Fan Travel. They are my official, they're my recommended trip. Look, it's who I use when I book travel, whether it's to Disneyland, Adventures by Disney, a Disney cruise, wherever it may be. They've got great rates, actually, speaking of Disneyland. For Disneyland, for Destination D this August, Standard Rooms at Paradise Pier, uh, Disneyland Hotel, Grand California. You can check them out over at mousefantravel.com. I will be out there for Destination D. We're going to do some meets while we're out at Destination D. Lots of things getting uh, ready to be planned for the summer over in California as well. If you're coming to Disney World, maybe you want something uh, a little bit bigger. Maybe bring the extended family. Maybe you want... Uh, your own pool and a spa and a kitchen uh, a, a media room or game room or multiple master bedrooms allstarvacationhomes.com has more than 150 homes within just a couple of miles of Walt Disney World and if you want to stay in the heart of Disney look I love staying there on the heavenly beds more importantly I love eating over at the Swan and Dolphin Todd English's Blue Zoo Shula's Kimono's Il Molino lots more and of course there's the Mandara Spa as well check them out over at swanandolphin.com and don't forget, too, Celebrations Magazine is gone digital. You can get every issue, including the sold-out ones, on your iPhone or on your iPad device. Easiest way to get to them. You can download the app for free and then purchase individual issues or subscribe. Go to www.radio.com slash celebrations. Uh, I know there's more that I'm forgetting. Wanted to try and wrap it up quickly this week. Not sure if I did a very good a job of that, but... As always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, really, please help spread the word. Tell your friends. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening or share links to your favorite episodes on Facebook or Pinterest or Google+. And please come by. Come rate and review the show over in iTunes. Very, very much appreciated. Most importantly, I want you guys to remember that every day is filled with new opportunity. So go out, seize it, Make it, start doing what you love each and every day. And when you do, always keep moving forward. I hope you have a great week this week. I hope to see you guys in the box on Wednesday nights. So until next time, see ya. Lou Mangiello, this is Ken from Philadelphia and Kate May and Cooper's father. I called <laughs> three weeks ago. Uh, my son's fighting an illness. <clears throat> been a long and hard three weeks. Very long and hard. Uh, but we continue to be optimistic and made the last I spoke left a message to you. The last I, last I left a message to you, I had made my uh, Disney re- resort reservations for a full 17 days. We've, I've made the plane reservations to celebrate the success which I know will be coming. And wanted to tell you that uh, you continue to be an inspiration 
Mm, I joy to my son. And, you know, when family can get wrapped up in a problem with little escape, and sometimes, you know, he hears your voice, and it's a trip into Disney World. In fact, you know what? It's better than Disney World. Disney World, sometimes it could be 110 degrees. You can be exhausted. You can be wanting to go one, one person wants to go one place, another person wants to go another place, and it can get kind of crazy, and then there's trouble. And you, it's always sit back, relax, and enjoy. And sometimes that's all you need. And it has been so many times what we've needed. And it's you've been a part of the team, whether we've met or not, uh, you're there. And I wanted to thank you for being there. And despite the difficulty and the trouble that we've all gone through, uh, you are an inspiration. You really are. And thank you much. Hope you enjoy. And I am continuing to catch up on the episodes, my son and I. We are on, we just eclipsed episode 216. So you have just come back from your uh, your your first foray onto the great waters, and you are planning a 40-hour mega celebration for the 40th anniversary of Disney World. <clears throat> and in <laughs> as as we're catching up, we plan to be there with you, even though it's it's gone and done. Uh, take care, and yeah. Hi, Lou. It's Lauren Kaplan from Franklin Park, New Jersey. I just wanted to call again and tell you how wonderful it was to meet you last weekend at the meet of the month. Uh, it really did feel like after so many years of listening to the show, I was just meeting an old friend. And it was great to see you and Scott Otis and play a little bit of New Jersey geography with you. So I'm really glad we got the chance to meet. Uh, like I was telling you, we were actually in Disney for uh, my best friend's wedding. I grew up with her in New Jersey, but she's since moved down, and she works in Disney. She's actually good friends with Alice and Wendy, and she married a friend of Prince Philip and Snow Prince. So it really was a cute Disney wedding, and uh, it was up themed. So after the ceremony, all of the guests were given uh, giant colored balloons, and the couple sit on chairs. We surrounded them with the balloons, and it really did feel like they were floating up in the sky. I've seen, you know, previews of these pictures, and uh, it was adorable. And they had Minnie and Mickey come at the reception. It was truly one of the most uh, beautiful and adorable weddings I've ever been to. And then my husband and I stayed a little bit afterwards in the parks, and uh, I think we started playing Sources of the Magic Kingdom too late in our only day at the Magic Kingdom, and I wish that we lived uh, closer and had annual passes because we got halfway through level one and we had, we ran out of time. But it was really a lot of fun, and I can't believe how many people are already so into it. Uh, I did uh, talk to some of the other cast members at the wedding and heard something interesting that they, because of the Fantasyland expansion, they're actually fixing up everything 
and waiting for everything to be done, and they're going to be redoing a lot of the Travel Channel spots. Um, one of her friends was saying, uh, you know, all of the Sarah Brown episodes that they've done, you know, they would do all of these specials on Disney, and they haven't done them in a lot of years, and that's because they're gearing up and waiting for everything to be fixed in Fantasyland, and then they're going to be fixing a lot of other things to make these specials. So I'm really looking forward to that if that, if that ends up happening. So we'll have to wait and see. But, again, thanks so much for everything. It was lovely to meet you, and I hope to see you again soon. Thanks. Bye. You've got a friend.